Hilo here bringing you the second installment of our off-season primer slash what to expect moving forward. This one we're going to cover the AFC West and we will jump right into it. Starting off with the Broncos. The Broncos returned most of their coaching staff, including head coach Vic Fangio, offensive coordinator Pat Shermer, and defensive coordinator Ed Donatell. Uh, they ranked 10th in situation neutral pass uh, pace of play in 2020. Their offensive line finished 2020 ranked 28th in a run blocking, and they're currently projected as the league's 21st ranked offensive line. Uh, something to keep in mind moving forward from this team with a lot of the hype surrounding that backfield. Uh, Teddy Brid Bridgewater obviously won the quarterback battle and will be the starter to begin the year. Uh, in my eyes, this is likely due to his poise in high leverage situations, so third down and goal to go. Um, Carolina, under Teddy last year, ranked second in time of possession per drive, eighth in yards per drive. and um, Yeah, so I think that uh, the a big portion of the reason or a big part of the reason why Teddy Bridgewater ended up winning that job is because last season Denver ranked so poorly in those metrics. Um, so they're looking to sustain drives longer, especially with the defense that they have that we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, keep the offense on the field as long as possible uh, to put less strain on the defense. The offense also returns most of their starters from 2020. Uh, they did add Javante Williams to the backfield to form that tandem with incumbent starter Melvin Gordon. Uh, Williams was my third highest rated rookie running back out of this 2021 draft class, and he should be pushing for pretty immediate playing time, uh, likely starting off the year as the 1B uh, to Melvin Gordon, but uh, he's going to push for time pretty immediately. He is a plus-plus in pass pro, obviously uh, has those chops out of the backfield with the ball in his hands as well, but he is going to see time sooner rather than later here. Um, to start the year, it's probably going to be a pretty messy situation, probably pretty close to 50-50. Melvin Gordon's probably going to take that lead in opportunities, maybe 60-40 to start the year, but it's uh, I see that flipping rather quickly um, in all honesty. I was somewhat surprised that they kept Melvin Gordon around, uh, but it helped probably has a little bit of do uh, to do with that contract. Their wide receiver trio of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. It's one of the better up and coming units in the league. Uh, obviously um, very young. So, you know, this will be Cortland Sutton's really second full season, you know, missing majority of his second season last year. Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler obviously entering their second season as well. No offense. Same story here. He is closer to a complete tight end uh, than just about anybody in the league. Um, he's going to be on the field a lot. Um, and again, one of the better up-and-coming tight ends uh, who... Yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Again, I'm in the car, so bear with me. Uh, got the kiddos to bed. Now I'm recording this in the car in my driveway. So again, bear with me uh, as I work through this. 
In 2020, they ranked 19th in the league in pass attempts per game, uh, 34.8 pass attempts per game. That's likely, in my eyes, going to remain fairly consistent in 2021 or even take a slight dip. Uh, so maybe down to the 25th, uh, 20th to 25th range when the when all is said and done here for pass attempts per game from this team. And again, that is primarily due to uh, improvements that they've made on the defensive side of the ball. That uh, was led by a 57% situation neutral pass play rate in 2020. That was the 12th lowest. And again, with the coaching staff remaining consistent and the only addition on the offense being uh, the running back position, I expect that to remain fairly consistent as well. So um, high rush rates uh, and low pass attempts per game here. So we talked about, or we alluded to it a little earlier, but Denver ranked 31st, so second to last in the NFL in 2020 in drive success rate at only 67.2%. They ranked 28th in points per drive. And what did they do? They used six of their eight picks in the 2021 draft on the defensive side of the ball. Actually, really, really like what they did here. Uh, they had the youth and they had the talent on the offensive side of the ball, so they aggressively attacked the defensive side of the ball. And that included first-round selection Patrick Sertain, uh, the second who should immediately uh, jump into snaps alongside newcomers Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby, we know kind of what we're getting there, um, has been kind of a whipping boy over the past couple of years. So I'd expect uh, Patrick Sertan and Kyle Fuller to man the outside with Ronald Darby uh, uh, manning that nickel position. And that should give us a good idea of how to target this defense if we do decide to this year, probably over the middle of the field, uh, tight ends over the middle of the field, and slot wide receivers. Uh, A.J. Bouye was released, and the big, probably one of the biggest things for this defense is Von Miller is healthy, Bradley Chubb appears healthy, so that's going to be a pretty welcome sight for a team that allowed 4.8 yards per rush attempt in 2020, and that was fourth worst in the league. So with this team, uh, again, adding a bunch of youth and um, going out aggressively and targeting cornerbacks in uh, free agency. And then with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb returning to health, uh, this defense should be a formidable unit, probably in my eyes, a top five defensive unit on paper uh, for 2021. That'll do it for the Broncos. Next up, the Chiefs. The big news out of the Chiefs camp, obviously um, Sammy Watkins is no longer there. We'll discuss that here shortly, but the offensive line overhaul that this team made this offseason uh, is one of the big stories out of the entire NFL. So Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are out. Orlando Brown, Joe Thune, Austin Blythe, Creed Humphrey, who was the nation's eighth best graded um, offensive lineman in 2020 in college, uh, are taking over for this offensive line. Nicole Hardman. Uh, we'll shift to the wide receivers now. McCole Hardman saw basically starter snaps preseason, um, and that was followed loosely by Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle. And we'll talk a little bit about the numbers behind that and what to expect here moving forward. Um, Hardman also saw you know, his standard design scheme plays to utilize his speed uh, in the flat and in the open. Um, that's something we can expect moving forward this year as well. Casey overall had the league's second most efficient offense in 2020 behind only the Packers in drive success rate. 
They held the most yards per drive and the fourth most points per drive in 2020. The backfield is another story was largely a crowded unit in 2020, but uh, slimmed it down this year. Now we're down to Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I guess effectively down to Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Darrell Williams and newcomer Jarek McKinnon. Uh, so really down from a four to five headed monster uh, last year with the rookie CEH uh, leading the way now down to really three able bodies uh, in the backfield. CEH averaged 13.9 rush attempts and 4.2 targets per game that he started and finished in 2020 and very, very league average 4.4 yards per attempt on those carries. With the improvements that we just talked about to that offensive line, I'd expect his rush attempts to increase and his effectiveness to increase after he saw a 66.3% snap rate in the six games prior to Le'Veon Bell's arrival in 2020. Kansas City in the red zone, they were not successful at rushing the football in 2020. They ranked 25th in the NFL in red zone rush success rate. Um, and again, like we talked about, that mark is likely to improve, which should allow CEH to improve on the four rushing touchdowns that he scored last year. Down to the wide receivers and what to expect. In games where Sammy Watkins was healthy in 2020, he averaged an 80% snap rate compared to 58% for Demarcus Robinson. In games where Sammy Watkins missed, Demarcus Robinson stepped into that role and averaged 79% snap rate. Byron Pringle saw a snap rate of 54% on average in those games that Sammy Watkins missed. And based on what we've seen in the preseason, I'd expect McCall Hardman to assume that kind of Sammy Watkins role and snap rate. And we're likely to see Robinson fall back into that around 60% snap rate range and Pringle settling into that uh, fourth option around 50 to 55% of the snaps. The Chiefs in 2020 were bottom 10 in the league in running back target rate top 10 in the league in wide receiver talk target rate, and then seventh in tight end target rate. And obviously with Travis Kelsey, that, Kelsey, that is going to be the case. Um, so really, really not targeting the running backs all too often. Um, and again, with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on your roster, uh, that's likely going to be the case. That said, with CEH and then the addition of Jarek McKinnon, I see that uh, running back target rate increasing a little bit this season, um, and especially with, you know, Nicole Hardman stepping into his first season in a, a role where he's seeing majority of snaps. Um, so I, I, I would say that the running backs, primarily CEH are going to see a little bit more targets. And again, that's a factor of the offense, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, um, letting him cook. Uh, but I think CEH is going to see a slight uptick in targets this season as well. Now to Spagnuolo's um, defense. He operates a top-down defensive scheme that really relies heavily on cover two concepts and principles uh, and really relying on cover two based on the personnel that were available to him last year. Tyron Matthew and Juan uh, Thornhill were a big part of the Chiefs' success against deep passing in 2020. Uh, their weakness was really over the short, middle, and intermediate of the field. Um, they allowed the eighth most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs and seventh most to oppose opposing tight ends in 2020. And 
with the personnel changes on the defensive side of the ball, there weren't that many for the Chiefs this year. They did add uh, a free safety and a corner, um, but with the overall core of this defense and Spagnuolo remaining the same, uh, I'd expect that to remain largely consistent uh, moving forward this year. That'll wrap up our Chiefs exploration. Now to the Raiders. The Raiders, that once dominant offensive line is now reduced to PFF's 26th ranked preseason unit. And again, that's based on personnel available and PFF's uh, projection for this season. What that is going to do, or basically the cause of that, they lost three offensive line starters during this offseason, and they're replacing them with first or second year personnel. So Colton Miller, Richie Incognito, and rookie Alexander Leatherwood, who was that surprise late first round pick um, in this year's draft, Great as above average in both the pass and run, uh, while Andre James and Denzel Good profile as below average in both those areas. So three out of five above average and two out of five below average along that offensive line. John Gruden seemingly doubled down on his 2020 rookie wide receiver selections uh, after John Brown requested his release and was granted his release. Uh, so Henry Ruggs the third and uh, and Brian Edwards doubling down on them um, and I think he kind of Gruden is one of those guys who not cares that he's right but cares that he's right <laughs> so I think that was part of the reason and I think John Brown uh, kind of realized that his snap rate in his playing time this season was not going to be what he thought it should be. So requesting that release here. Now, kind of looking at what Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards bring to the table. Henry Ruggs was clocked as the fastest wide receiver in the 2020 draft. A real, real burner on the outside. Derek Carr was the league's 20th ranked downfield passer in 2020 with only a 44.62% completion rate on throws greater than 20 yards downfield. So not the best pairing there. Um... Another issue with Las Vegas's wide receivers, uh, their target separation rate, so their separation at time of target in 2020 was ranked 29th in the NFL. They also are transitioning, obviously, from the uh, solid offensive line that they enjoyed two years ago to a mediocre, and that was primarily based to injuries last year, uh, to a downright unknown uh, this season as far as run blocking goes. So that ninth highest situational neutral rush rate in 2020 is likely to decrease um, and they're going to appear a little bit more balanced. Last year with all those injuries on the offensive line, they were the 20th ranked team for yards per rush attempt. And in John Gruden's modernized West Coast offense, um, kind of mixes spread concepts into that as well. It's kind of known as one of the more complex schemes in the NFL, and that could explain um, a little bit of the shortcomings, especially when the offensive line experienced those injuries uh, with efficiency last season, particularly with three high-profile rookies in that offense. You know, they had Henry Ruggs, they had Brian Edwards, and then Josh Jacobs. Um, so we could see, even with all that said, though, 
they did rank 10th, um, the 10th most efficient offense in 2020. So in my mind, with the additions, um, with the additional year to pick up Gruden's kind of complex offensive scheme, we could see that offense actually become a little more efficient. Um, and obviously when you have an all world tight end, like Darren Waller, um, one of the most sure handed, uh, pass catchers in the game, um, that helps with your efficiency as well. Uh, now to the defensive side of the ball with Gus Bradley's defense, um, new defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. Um, he runs a four, three, um, under defensive scheme with, uh, Principles that utilize bump and run press cover three. So that was a lot of words to basically say that their base defense is a four, three. So four defensive linemen with three linebackers and the secondary is running what they call bump and run press cover three as their base defensive formation. Cover three obviously is a zone heavy scheme um, zone principles with bump and run coverage. That's going to be, press coverage where the uh, corners are basically checking the opposing wide receivers at the line of scrimmage uh, with obviously without drawing that flag Um, and then um, bump and run meaning that they're coming off that press coverage easily to fall into that cover three zone concept Um, so what this scheme kind of relies heavily on is athleticism in the secondary and it you really this scheme needs athleticism and it needs the right personnel on the back half of the defense to be effective we look at the projected starters in the secondary we have casey hayward uh playing corner and uh opposite him trayvon mullen casey hayward coming over from the chargers uh and then trayvon mullen is in his second season casey hayward was bottom 30th percentile in speed and burst scores coming into the league he allowed 17.1 yards per reception in 2020. Now you look at the safeties. We have rookie Trevon Morig and Jonathan Abram uh, in the latter half of that secondary. With the other cornerback, Trevon Mullen, he's kind of the opposite of Casey Hayward in that he had an 82nd percentile speed score, but he did allow 14.2 yards per reception in 2020. So again, with this, these four players that in the back half of the secondary coming together really don't have the athleticism and the traits to be a good scheme fit for this defensive scheme. What I think that is going to translate into is they're likely to struggle against the deep ball, similar to how they did in 2020. They ranked 28th in the league, um, allowing 11.4 yards per completion in 2020. So Um, Giving up big plays, giving up big plays to the outside and over the middle, particularly over the middle against cover three. Um, Bradley's system also blitzed at the lowest rate in the NFL in his four years in Los Angeles. So when you combine the low blitz rates with the inexperienced slash kind of poor schematic fit secondary, that's where I think you're going to see that trouble against the deep ball again from this defense. So that'll wrap up the Raiders moving on to the Chargers. This is probably one of my favorite off-season studies uh, this season with the Chargers. Really with what they brought in to lead both the offense and the defense is 
a pretty immaculate fit for the personnel that they have on the roster. And we'll talk about that here shortly. They brought in Brandon Staley as the head coach and really the mastermind behind what we expect their defensive scheme to look like. He came over from the Rams. He was the defensive coordinator for the Rams last year. They brought in Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, he comes from a 10-year stint in New Orleans um, as their quarterbacks coach and assistant uh, coach. And then they brought in Ronaldo Hill to be the defensive coordinator. He was the Denver defensive backs coach last year. We're going to start this discussion with the defense because I think a lot of what we should expect from this team this year is going to revolve around that defense. First off, they brought in nose tackle Linval Joseph. He's one of the league's premier run stoppers um, dating back to his time in Minnesota. Uh, Brandon Staley's defensive scheme uh, against the run kind of involves these complex zone assignments. Uh, they utilize the nickel and free safety uh, heavy influence there to manipulate um, what the running back is seeing as far as lanes. They're going to want to force opposing running backs to hit the edge, uh, primarily with Linval Joseph clogging up the middle, and then they're going to utilize the nickel corners and free safety as kind of that influence back inside into the linebackers. So what they want to have, they want to have good open field tackling safeties. They want to have good open field tackling linebackers uh, in that scheme. Now you talk about their safeties. Derwin James is probably a top three, maybe one of the top two uh, safeties in the league, and he's finally healthy. I've been waiting for this guy to play football for the last two years because he is an absolute joy to watch. Um, then you look at the other side of the offensive line. They have edge rusher Joey Bosa. He's one of the top pass rushers in the league, able to create um, havoc in the backfield without complex blitz schemes. So he's doing most of the work on his own, and he is damn good at it. So in my opinion, with what we've talked about here, this defense really has the perfect personnel to fit Joe Staley's, um, or sorry, yeah, uh, Brandon Staley's defensive scheme. Um, and I expect really massive leaps forward in 2021. And this is dating back to even last year. Um, I loved the personnel that this defensive uh, unit had on the team. And I expected big things out of them last year. Obviously, they had injuries across the board at every level. Joey Bosa was injured. They had Derwin James lost for the year for the second year in a row. Um, but with the with this year, there's a lot to get excited about with this defensive unit um, and how it fits and meshes with their uh, defensive scheme. Jumping over to the offensive line. Another complete overhaul, really, of that offensive line. The only holdover is going to be Brian Bulaga, um, who only played 440-some-odd snaps last season, so he missed over half of the year in 2020. Former Packer great um, and one of the guys who was really, really uh, a big reason for that Packer offensive line dominance over the last three to four years. They also added another former Packer uh, this offseason and Corey Lindsley, who is um, the PFF's top graded run blocking um, offensive line over the last three years, which is incredible. Um, as a Packers fan, was super sad to see him go, uh, but he is a high, high profile offensive line addition to this unit. 
They also brought in Matt Feeler and Ode Abushi. Um, and then they drafted rookie Rashawn Slater uh, to join Brian Bulaga there. So pretty much complete overhaul of that offensive line and with the full offseason this year to prepare, uh, expecting a large, large step forward for that offensive line this year. Other big uh, personnel movement for the offense, obviously Hunter Henry uh, was signed away by New England. Jared Cook was brought in to replace him. We talk about Jared Cook, 34-year-old tight end. Um, I'd expect him to have a pretty heavy red zone role and likely going to be the primary tight end between the 20s, but he's with with that offensive line taking the leaps that they are expected to take this year, he's probably not going to be asked to block a lot. So probably expect a pretty high um, snap to route ratio uh, from out of Jared Cook this year. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about what to expect out of him shortly. They also have Donald Parham, uh, who his first NFL season um, was last year, but he, that dude is a physical specimen, um, high, high red zone threat. He's a six foot eight frame, um, and extreme quickness. So, uh, he should also be a pretty heavy red zone threat and pretty heavy red zone role. So I'd expect the base for this team, um, to be 11 personnel. Uh, but that being said, it's likely going to have heavy 12 personnel influence once they enter the red zone, uh, even inside the 30-yard line uh, with Donald Parham and, and Jared Cook on the field together. Now to Joe Lombardi's, uh, what to expect out of Joe Lombardi's offense this year. So Joe Lombardi coming over from New Orleans, uh, again, where he was the quarterback's coach, um, worked with them for a solid decade. And pretty much the first thing that he said out of one of his uh, first press conferences when he came over to the Chargers was that his goal is to get the most out of the talent that he has on the field. So designing an offense to suit the talent that he has and the strengths of his offensive personnel. His scheme in New Orleans was built around a power run game which is interesting with austin eckler and we'll talk about that here shortly um but in the passing game heavy heavy short area to intermediate passing obviously that goes back to michael thomas leading the league in targets possession style receiver hello keenan allen and austin eckler out of the backfield i expect these two uh to eat up targets in this offense a la michael thomas and alvin kamara uh, in New Orleans. I'd expect um, Austin Eckler's snap rate to pretty much mirror what we were getting out of um, Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. Uh, and Keenan Allen, one of the premier route runners in the entire league out of the wide receiver position uh, to fill that move the chains possession style Michael Thomas type role. He's not going to be used in the same manner as Michael Thomas was because obviously highly different body type. You know, Michael Thomas was a more um, body control wide receiver and uh, positioning wide receiver, whereas Keenan Allen is the separation within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage type wide receiver. Um, obviously, high, high route running IQ uh, and able to create that separation in close. 
during, um, and Lombardi also, this is going to be his, uh, his second stint as an offensive coordinator. His first was with Detroit. The Lions, when under Joe Lombardi as offensive coordinator, ranked 25th and 30th in rush attempts per game. Uh, I'd expect that what to expect moving forward is probably going to be somewhere in the happy medium between what we saw out of New Orleans with their offensive line and what we saw out of Detroit when Joe Lombardi was the offensive coordinator. So we're probably going to see fairly neutral run pass rates. That being said, since I expect Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler to be such a large part of this passing game, if Keenan Allen stays healthy, I'd expect him to challenge the league lead for targets amongst wide receivers. Similarly, if Austin Eckler stays healthy, I'd expect him to challenge the league lead for targets amongst running backs. Now we look at Mike Williams, who's going to be the other starting wide receiver uh, for the Chargers. He holds one of the deepest average depths of target of any wide receiver over his career. Uh, so we talk about how this offense is going to be predicated on that short to intermediate passing. And really, I don't see the room for the increase in targets that a lot of the, I guess, fantasy analysts around the industry are calling for this year. So we put all these pieces together. I'd expect the defense to be a top five unit in 2021. I expect the Chargers to land in the bottom five of the league in pace of play, similar to Joe Lombardi's time in New Orleans. So we kind of starting to get a feel for what this offense is going to look like. And outside of Keenan and Eckler, I don't see a lot much left over for as far as volume goes for Mike Williams, Jared Cook and Donald Parham between the 20s. Um, moving the ball is going to be primarily they're going to play slow. They're going to let their defense get off the field and they're going to want to play slow and control the time of possession battle uh, to keep um, the pressure off of that defense. And when we talk about Keenan and Eckler being such a big part of that, there's not a lot of room for a large target spike uh, when we're talking week to week for Mike Williams, Jared Cook, and Donald Parham. Obviously, they, the division that they play in, uh, they're going to play the Chiefs twice. Um, Denver is another team with a solid defense and an up-and-coming offense. And then the uh, Raiders can put up points with that efficiency level of their offense. So playing in this division, they're going to have to score but still, I, I see a lot of their games going where they are going to look to control the time of possession battle. They're going to look to play at a slow pace and they're going to look to be an efficient offense that moves the chains uh, methodically, similar to what we saw out of New Orleans. Now, that doesn't mean that the primary players in this offense aren't going to absolutely feast because a large portion, I expect, of this offense to run through Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. So those two uh, remain extremely high targets of mine in best ball. And I expect it's likely going to come down to the leverage game and expected ownership and price point, uh, whether or not I'm playing them in DFS. But I expect um, high, high weekly floors for those two players. That is a wrap for the AFC West. Uh, next up, 
we're going to be jumping over to the AFC North with the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Steelers. And I'll get that one out here shortly. Mm-hmm.